Hello and welcome to Community Quest episode 101. I'm your host, uh, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always. Uh, majoring in basic Q&A studies, FBM, Family Master, Dave McBurney, whatever. And Listen, you called it Q&A 101. It's true. And uh, filling in for Gaijin this week? Uh, it's Eric RPG. I'm back this year. Woohoo! Got the first guest spot of the year. That's right. It's a highly coveted position. I'm sure that I, someone I, else might theoretically have wanted it at some point. Mm. We're pretending this is prestigious. Please, go along with it. It's totally prestigious. I need to actually look at the questions I just realized. <laughs> yeah. I don't well, know why my electric company bothered to give me a bill for zero dollars when I paid, like, for this month and for last month. <laughs> I paid, like, they just... You want to make sure that the mailman doesn't remember, doesn't forget where you go. It's probably some bookkeeping shenanigans or something. I don't know. How does accounting work? Because I was kind of late on December's because I hadn't gotten paid yet. So they just added like the few, the extra week or two that I was gonna pay next month. So now I don't have to pay anything. Sure, it's fine. Maybe. Listen, they can't. Listen, they don't. No, no. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, in this prestigious video game show, we have to begin with the most important topic of all, that being a movie discussion and not a game discussion at all. You just want to talk about Spider-Verse. I just want to talk about Spider-Verse. I mean, that's fine. I just want to talk about Spider-Verse, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we finally have agreement on... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The only thing I didn't like was the frame rate. It seemed off. I mean, they were deliberately trying to like drop frames to look more like normal animation. Mm-hmm. There's some other interesting effects, like the color bleed that's supposed to look like a cheaply printed old comic book. Mm-hmm. But uh, words for sound effects littered throughout uh, the movie. Oh, perfect. But, but they... which which Spider's Man had your favorite uh, shader attached to them? Uh, Spider-Ham. Yeah, that's, that's a as, really good one. As soon as I found out that every frame of his animation was hand-drawn, I was like, uh, you people are insane, and I love it. <laughs> I just assumed that they had just gotten a really nice shader on a model, but no. No, they did not fuck around. Well, new year, new starting off in the 18-plus section. Yeah, it's gotta, it's gotta be done. Uh, but I mean, more than anything else, I mean... From the people, from the people that brought us the Lego Movie, I expected one of them anyway. Yes, <laughs> I expected a fun, extremely entertaining movie, but I did not expect it to be like as profound story-wise as it was. It had a lot of heart, and it made me feel very bad because Ultimate Peter Parker is definitely my Spider-Man. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of what. I mean, that's kind of what helped stop me from reading the Miles Morales comic for a while, as awful as it was. As awful as really it was for me not to wait that long to read it, because it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's one of those situations where it's like, 
I feel sort of bad for just Miles as far as Marvel wants to deal with him because, like, his entire concept exists in the vac- vacuum of, like, he's not the Spider-Man. He's right. a Spider-Man that comes after the Spider-Man. Right. And then that, I feel that, like this movie does well by him by using that premise. Yeah, it uses it extremely well. And and I think, thinking back on the original comic, I think it kind of touched on the same subjects, though maybe not as well. It was, it was a little more muddled, because like they were getting very confused on what they wanted to do with the ultimate line by the time yeah. they introduced Miles. And then like the that comic line eventually sort of like sort of brings Ultimate Peter back in a way that's not great either. It's it's just weird. I wonder if it's just like, okay, the Ultimate Universe is dying, let's just kind of it's very give... clear that their commitment to it was dead by that point. Yeah. I it it felt kind of like a um we feel bad we murdered Ultimate Peter Parker. Let's give him a happy ending since the universe is imploding anyway. So the other thing about it that sticks out to me is that, like, Miles is the kind of character that would only be allowed because when they conceived of him, it was be- it was only allowed to happen because it wasn't happening to the quote-unquote real Spider-Man. Right. But that's, that's neither here nor there. This is a really good story that really uses, like, all of that in a way that actually enhances it, so. Like, they, they used all of those different Spider-Man exactly the way they should, so. Mm-hmm. And now I really want a Spider-Gwen movie. Uh, that's already in production. Excellent. <laughs> like that was the that was the spin-off they were floating before the movie came out. Yeah. And I feel like that character definitely obviously uh, kind of hit the ground running a lot easier because it didn't involve the murder <laughs> of another character. So, like, not a character we'd seen anyway. Right. Uh, but it's also, like, the gimmick, one of the things I like is that the movie, because it does that gimmick where it has to, where it's, like, the joke is how often you have seen some version of Spider-Man's origin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, the, but they also use that to contextualize Miles, because yeah. all of these other Spider-Men, the shortest period that any of them has ever, has been Spider-Man is two years. Yeah. So, like, it's okay, like, it's okay that this is Miles coming into it, because... He literally, like, at the end, he's like, I've been Spider-Man for two days. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. I also just appreciate how much, like, the, he's not precisely Universe 616 Spider-Man, but that's the Spider-Man that he is most resembling Peter yeah. Parker. Yeah. Up. <laughs> just, like, the, the tragic sort of... Like, like, it's almost a comment on the kind of arrested development that they've put on that Peter Parker, where he has to be sort of a young man, but they keep... But, like, he's still obviously aged from when that was just, like, an acceptable, like, place in his life to be, so he's just really sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially the uh, the sweatpants throughout the movie was like, oh, a man. great touch. <laughs> All of them having, like, a slightly different Spider-Man costume is really good. Like, yeah. Superheroes don't wear their own merch. <laughs> also, it was very sad to see that first posthumous Stanley. Yeah. Although uh, it was a really good one. It was a perfect cameo. It's always been one of my favorites. <laughs> and maybe Mercat Ralph 2 was actually the first time, because that came out. Before. He was in that? 
Yes. Oh, I didn't even know that. Man, that Teen Titans Go cameo is really just... <laughs> really makes perfect sense now. I just love making cameos. I love that cameo. <laughs> it's really good, but it's also just one of those things where it's like... Maybe they were right. He will just be in anything if you give him the chance. <laughs> I'm sure that he is probably in basically every Marvel-related movie that's coming out in the next two years. They just filmed a bunch of them at once. Probably. Oh, and the post-credits message uh, was also very cute. Yeah, I didn't get to see it the first time I saw it because I had a six-year-old drag me out of the movie theater. Uh, well, and then, that'll happen. Then when I heard of what it was, when we saw it the second time, like, okay, we're sitting here until those fucking credits child, roll. Child, <laughs> child, you're learn things. You stay in your damn seat <laughs> so I can see this glorious scene. Uh, and, and obviously he didn't get it, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> it, it <happens. laughs> but really, really fun film. Yeah, uh, it it was. It's. Uh, I I think it's the front runner now to win best animated feature at the Oscars. It's just one at the Golden Globes, I think. Yeah. It's the thing I think feels like the most deserving. So, right, I haven't seen a lot of films this year, but I mean, they actually went for it and made something different. So, yeah. I I mean, I've seen the what I would assume is the other, the the other one most likely to to win it would be Incredibles 2, and as much as I love that movie, uh does not do as much in terms of animation as Spider-Verse does. doesn't do as much in terms of animation. It's surprising. Like, there's a surprising kind of... Like, I was kind of shocked at some of the choices that they made with this film, so... You know. A lot going on there. Yeah. I think the, the way I think I thought of putting it best is... Uh, most comic book movies are movies based on comic books, and this was a comic book movie, like a literally movie made out of a comic book. Yes, I just uh, I really appreciate how much it drilled down into the essence of Spider-Man is feeling bad that your dad died. Yeah, and like you know, it doesn't necessarily literally do that, but it's very much like this idea of like. You know, you you like the the essence of like the it it's always like a father figure that dies. Yeah, it's always some like protective uh, patriarchal figure that dies, and Spider-Man being forced to sort of take up that protective mantle while also understanding the failure that had caused it. So this isn't it's interesting. There's a lot of just. Good stuff with spider themes. Yeah, it's it's a jam-packed movie with all sorts of stuff. Uh, it's just one of those things that uh, I know me especially is going to be rewatching it over and over again, and probably catching little different little things each time. I just I, I really do want to see it again. I also appreciate that as an animated film, it could not afford to be two and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> so many all live action superhero movies are two and a half hours now yeah also since uh, since that was also the talk of everyone who saw it so everyone who saw the dog preview Ugh. the entire movie condensed you know oh, thanks thanks for giving me the whole movie now I don't have to go see it <laughs> not that I would anyway 
Listen, it's just homeward bound again. Except without, like, the addition of a cat sassing the dog at all times. So, you know, lesser homeward bound. Yeah. I mean, I went in first time thinking, like, oh, you know, this is great. Maybe we'll see some Marvel trailers here or some some other stuff. Trailers for something. Lots of Sony garbage and it's crazy how many trailers i sat through i think it's like at least 10 the last one i sat through was like i don't know something about kids in high school and track or football or something it was and the trailer made nothing clear about what exactly the movie's about i appreciated that i sat through at least one movie that was cunning a cunning disguise to try to trick you into learning about god <laughs> it was not that cunning i may yeah, be overstating they're like two religious movie trailers that were I like, only got, why is I this here? <laughs> is it about the kid that fell through the ice? Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That one, and then there was someone else that didn't really do a good job of explaining what it was at all. Is it the one with the high school kids? And I If I know. saw this, I have no idea what yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, it was weird to me that I sat through all those trailers, and I was like, the only good one of those was the DC movie somehow. Shazam? Shazam looks fun. Well, I got a, I bum- like I got a Bumblebee weird, trailer, like... and I think that looks fun. Oh, I didn't looks see that. I didn't get They that. banished Zack Snyder so they could, like, actually make decent DC movies. Well, they also made, like, it also just seemed really earnest, because it's just, like, it's leaning into how much Captain Marvel is a character that is just Superman, except that it's Superman as embodied by a child. And so it's just like, here's here's them trying to figure out how Superman works, because one of them gets to be Superman now. Superman, but with magic, because that's Superman's yeah. greatest weakness. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Superman is weak to magic, and that's why he lost to Skeletor, because that, that comic happened once. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah. Uh, Shazam actually looks fun. I'm glad that... We're now a movie podcast, but... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I can talk about some of the Spider-Man DLC, even though it's not RPG-related. It's almost an RPG, but I haven't gotten around to it, so don't talk about it yet. Um, Hey, Tales of Asperia next week. All I would say is it involves a a villain I've never heard of. No, I'm saying next week is in when we discuss it. Oh, yes, yes. Aren't you excited? It's definitive. I'm so excited to not use any of the additional features and just play it as God intended on the Xbox 360. You're just actually just going to haul your Xbox 360 <laughs> into the car. Hell yeah. no. I'm pretty sure that thing almost set my house on fire. That that thing is never... Excuse me? What? <laughs> did I ever tell this story? No, I don't think I did. I knew you hated your 360. I don't think you ever explained why. So this was when I was moving from my old house. I was packing up the 360. So yeah. I was, like, unplugging everything. And, like, the power strip was, like, set up on my entertainment center, like, behind the TV. You know, I was, like, trying to pick it up, and it was, like, stuck to the thing. So I pick it up, and, like, things had melted. And um, I'm not sure... Had it just kept running like that, what exactly would have happened? <laughs> let's not let's not answer this question. Yeah, it was like, huh? I'm gonna replace this. So I replaced it with the um, uh, like the elite model, like the whatever the first model that was not at all the based on the original one. Yeah, 
I don't even trust that one, so... Actually... I believe the 360S just incorporates the power supply straight into the yeah. system. Actually, I take it back. I don't even have that one anymore. I got rid of it. <laughs> so, well, there you go. But yeah, I believe the 360S just incorporated the power supply straight onto the system, so yeah. you didn't get that giant brick. Yeah, I feel yeah. like you could kill a man with the Xbox 360's power brick. You could. That was a weird system, because it's like, this has lots of games I love, and I want to throw this system through a window or launch it into the sun. I just appreciate that the only game I think we ever played together on 360 was uh, Haunted the Demon's Forge. Oh, God. <sighs> and that's why you hate it. I'm pretty sure we also played Street Fighter 3 via Oh, yeah, yeah, we played some Third Strike Online. That was yeah. good. That was much better. For your Capcom PlayStation, Play System 3. There's also the Konami beat-em-ups. Yeah, but we, me and Wales never played those together as a thing. I had them, we just never did. Now you can't buy them. Uh, yeah, I've still got uh, X-Men and TMNT. I did, I did not grab Simpsons when I could. The tragic secret of Konami's licensed beat-em-ups is that they're nowhere near as good as Capcom's. Pick up Capcom beat-em-up collection for everything now, because... Those are, those are good. Those are really good. They ever fix the online on those? Uh, Switch? Uh, depends on what you mean by fix. Like, I was... Like, I had some real issues with it right after launch, but apparently I was I was talking to some friends who were playing it a few days ago, and it was going pretty smoothly for them. So I didn't know if they had patched it or not, so I'll have to check that. But it's also the only way to play Battle Circuit, and Battle Circuit is really good. Play Battle Circuit... Sadly, no Alien vs. Predator. Or Punisher. Or Cadillacs and Dinosaurs with Second Cataclysm. Listen, I'm just going to keep rattling these off. There's a lot of them. Capcom made a lot of beat-em-ups in the mid-90s. Mm. No. Speaking Capcom? Of, no. Speaking of Fox, I saw the really awful The Predator. Oh. Well, I'd rather not remember that that happened. I'm, I'm busily forgetting that that happened right now. <laughs> yeah, I should just go watch The Predator's so many Predator. No, actually, go watch a long play of Predator Concrete Jungle and watch the Predator, like, fight 20s gangsters with space tech. <laughs> what? That's a crazy video game for your Xbox. Oh. What? Like, the plot of that game is that you're a Predator who gets, like, punked by some bootleggers and loses a bunch of his tech and then has to come back a hundred years later for some reason to steal it all back. <laughs> it's odd. Yeah, I was. I didn't even know they had a lifespan that was that long. <laughs> oh man! Oh, there's so much. Like, why is Wikipedia's plot summary for this so long? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and of course, there's Wayland Utani in it. Just because. What if we get the rights to, you know, do something with that? Wouldn't that be fun? It, it wouldn't be. Don't let them do this again. Okay, we should get to a question. All right, I have a question. Oh, you meant hey, like was... you meant like viewer questions. Uh... Like, if you want to ask I... a question, I mean, I'll let you do that before we move on. Did you actually have a question, or were you just trying to mess with me? No, I think I had a question. I'm trying to remember what the hell it was. All right, I got okay. nothing. Let's go to the viewer questions. Oh, when? Did Mega Evolutions first show up in Pokemon? Gen 6. 
Gen 6? Okay. Yeah, they're X and Y. Like, that was their first, like, hmm, these Kanto Pokemon are very long in the tooth and need some sort of power upgrade or they're completely useless. But let's not actually commit to it, full. We only, we only want to do this for a little bit. I'm glad they did, because I think they're boring. <laughs> what, Mega Evolution? Yeah, I think they're extremely boring. Uh, that's why they went with Alolan forms. Yeah. And, uh, Super Moves. Z-Moves. Love me some Z-Moves. Peek up a pal. Okay. Oh, Let's go okay. So, so that will bring me to my Pokemon anime question. Okay. Why is Ash terrible? Why is Ash in school in the latest season? Uh, apparently, I don't... just to because it's the show needed a refresh. But I mean, like, I why is he terrible? Because show... if he ever became a master, he could not be. He could no longer be the series protagonist. So, so they redefined. No no. What they did is they Jesus. redefined what master actually meant. Instead of being the best Pokemon trainer, he wants to be the best Pokemon friend. Uh, okay, pals. Also, but I mean, oh, like, oh, that no, that brings me to my real important question: Where in God's name are all the Pokemon he's collected over the years? He sends them to Professor Oak between seasons. It's terrible. Poor Charizard and no, some uh, of them, some the of them he gets releases. Yeah. Have you seen the movie reboot series? Oh no, we're not talking about <laughs> we're not talking about that. That that. What if we did the original but minus the characters you know? But I don't why? find that such a problem, really, because like it gives them a chance to you know not always have the same characters. I mean, they yeah. already do that. They just swap them out every so often. So it's like, why bother going back to Kanto? It's not like the kids want to see that version of the story again. The way I see it, like, the movie reboot series is just, like, what happens before he ends up in Aloha. <laughs> this is the new timeline. Mm. Yeah, uh... I, I won't pretend I'm an expert on the Pokemon anime. I've not watched it since Johto, so... And I've not been in its target audience since Johto, so... Yeah, well, now I have a child that's in its target audience, and... Supposedly, Sun and Moon is the best that the anime's been, and... Quite a long time. So. If you ask me, the movie, the, the second movie that came out, is a much better movie than all the other movies because they actually took the time to develop the characters in the movie. Well, that's cool. I remember Power of One slash Pokemon the Movie 2000 being my preferred one at the time. I mean, I, I've enjoyed the anime with the kids, especially the new one. I think it's really good. So yeah, I think you've heard it right. Seems more gag focused, which seems like something that it's better at being than being pretending to be an it's, action show. It's more gag focused, and I was surprised to see Team Rocket is still there. But they do fun things like with them. Like there's one episode where it's basically like they're going to like a Pokemon wrestling show, and the announcers are Team Rocket for no explained reason, and it just works. Team Rocket was like this thing that they could never let go of because they were so iconically part of the beginning, but like Team Rocket wasn't supposed to stick around. <laughs> so I don't think that, like, I think the implication after a certain point is that Team Rocket doesn't even really exist anymore outside of Jesse, James, and Meow. <laughs> so, you know, canon. It's all good. Are you excited to fight Team Rainbow Rocket? I am, I am. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, I'm already, despite just finishing Moon before the holidays, uh, like 17 hours into Ultra Sun. I decided to play Bravely Second before I hit Ultra Sun. Uh, 
Well, it's honestly, it is probably a, it, if you had just finished the original, it's probably good to take a break. I mean, Pokemaniac we all want to fight. Well, it's it worked fine for me because there was a long gap between when I started playing Moon and when I finished it, so the beginning feels fresh again. But uh, it definitely takes a. There are just some noticeable story differences right away, but I mean it's mostly the same. So playing it directly back to back probably not advisable. Uh, but I have also finally officially begun my White Whale of the series, and that being Pokemon Black. I remember telling you to play that back when it was when Black Two and White Two had not come out. <laughs> I actually prefer Black Two. I prefer Black One, but only because it forces you to actually use only new Pokemon, which is not an experience you get very often. Yeah, but um, yeah, I fired it up, picked the Fire Pig, named him Spider Ham. Of course you did. Of course. Um, and yeah, it's it's got a lot of nice improvements over what I remember of the uh, first two DS games, kind of turning me off. Diamond and Pearl. Yeah, um, Diamond, Pearl, Platinum, and Five was you know. the first. Gen Five was the first one where they like deliberately set out to make the games faster because they had gotten so very slow yeah. by the time uh, that like the Gen Four games had happened. Or you could call Gen 4 the the DM slave game. The TM slave. HMs. Oh, man. Yeah, that was also the first one where they were like, what if you could just keep reusing TMs? But also, like, they dialed back, like, I think Gen 4 has, like, 10 relevant HMs. It's not as bad as... I can't remember if it's Gen 2 or Gen 3 that really is just full of HMs, but it's still, it's, it gets bad. Yeah, I think Gen 3 was the one that really kept me... Probably prevented me from even getting into the DS ones. It just it just kind of bounced off me so much. I like Gen 3 in the remakes, but the original versions did very little for me. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of messing around with the remakes because it feels like kind of a quicker... It'll be a quicker playthrough than any of the other ones. They are much breezier. Yeah, so that's kind of... It's kind of my lunch break game right now, which fit, seems to fit, fit it perfectly. And I think Gen 5 is also when they had to just, like, when they finally stopped putting in the frickin' gambling minigames. <laughs> it's also nice to just not have a random Pokemon locked behind how good you are at the slots. But yeah, Black. Very interested to see where they go with these Pokemon Liberation people, since I've heard the story is actually good. It's it's definitely the most ambitious they ever got with a Pokemon story. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, Black and White. Nice. I also want to know who N is, uh, mostly because he's a really annoying card in the Pokemon card game. So <laughs> he's very powerful. So it makes me very curious. I appreciate that uh, because of his associations, you will never see him with the same team of Pokemon. That's pretty cool. <laughs> like, every time, like, it's just, well, I got these long enough to fight this one dude, and now, it, like, I, I don't keep Pokemon. That's not that's not what I believe in, so I release them. <laughs> Very interesting. So, yeah, it's, it's probably going to be a big Pokemon year for me. I'm looking into writing some sort of articles about stuff, and uh, I told you, Dave, I haven't 
don't think I've talked about it here on the show. Uh, the Pokemon card game online has replaced Hearthstone as my number one go-to online. Super nerd wants to fight. Yeah. That was that was a very strange thing to read. Like, when you just <laughs> sent me that. It's like, what? Excuse me? <laughs> well, it, it helps when you have a brother who collects the cards, but just collects the cards, and it's like... Here, you can have the cards. Here. Here, I saved all these because I thought I was going to play this, but I'm not going to. Here is a stack of about 400 codes. Oh my god. <laughs> no wonder you were passing some along to me. Uh, well, I mean, some of those were just like, uh, I got this deck for myself, and then my son won the same deck, so I have two I mean, of these codes. You can convert the actual card with a code to a digital version. Like, you can get a free copy of the digital yeah, version every, if you have the physical all, card. All the physical product of the Pokemon Trading Card game packs, theme decks, or equivalent mm. product in the online game, which is, which is bizarrely crazy to me. Good? Like, it's bizarrely... crazy. It is bizarre how, like, forward-thinking that is from a Nintendo product. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I've gotten packs from, like, five years ago, and they, they have the codes! The like, codes they've, been doing... still, they've been doing this for a long time. They've been doing this for a long time. I don't understand it. And, I mean, it's just great. I mean, I I don't think I've I haven't spent a cent of like actual money only for the online game because why? There, there <laughs> would, would never be a purpose to do so unless you yeah. just didn't want the clutter in your house. Yeah, I, but I, like I, you I, don't lose anything by buying like a physical version of the product. You get yeah. more. <laughs> I mean, I've had to like buy binders and stuff because we've bought a lot of the physical product because my son's super into the game. But I mean, yeah, why? If if you like the cards at all, why only buy the digital stuff? It's just great. It does warm my heart thinking about that because it just makes me think of like having binders full of Pokemon cards twenty odd years ago. Yeah. <sighs> and and I mean it's great it's it's great for somebody that's like wants to collect the cards and play the game, but you know, doesn't doesn't necessarily live near like easy to A place where to. you could have like a game with people exactly so you can still like play competitive games all the time and have the joy of like collecting the physical cards and not have to choose one or the other like you'd have to do with say magic yeah it's it's bizarre that like pokemon is the one thing that like latched onto this physical digital convergence so quickly yeah nintendo was always like into putting weird things onto pokemon cards because uh there's steps Remember the GBA e-reader? Yep. There's sets that had dot codes for that, and some of the, some po- every Pokemon card during that period would have a dot code on it that made it so that you could get like a Poke- Pokedex entry for that card. But some of them would have weird things on them. Like some of them would just be like card game enhancements. They would be things like, oh, this like just does coin flips for you. But then some of them would just have, like, games that would happen if you, like, scanned in all of the same ed- evolutionary line or things. Mm. Very strange. Very Tendo just likes Trojan horsing other weird things in <laughs> via the Pokemon <laughs> card game. <laughs> Gonna send wheels down the rabbit hole of trying to find uh, figures from the Pokemon trading figure game. Oh god, that was a thing? Yeah, for about uh... one set, and they announced two other sets, and, like, a handful of bits of product from those came in, uh, found their way onto the market via, like, essentially offloading and whatever factory was contracted to make them. 
Very short-lived, very strange. But hey, they spin. They're nice figures. Let's let's get to an actual question. I, I okay, swear yeah, we'll do this. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, if we continue, there's so much to talk about. We could about make Pokemon an entire ones. Pokemon cast and yeah. probably continue it for at least ten episodes. <laughs> All right, so uh, so any, any of these questions, I'm going to leave this to you because you're probably a better judge than me. Any of these questions you think would be good for Gaijin, let's just... Like, I see one here from Budai, which isn't a question. He says, old systems like NES, SNES, Genesis had satellite functions. I think we should save that one. Yeah, like, Gaijin will probably have a little more insight into things like the Satellaview, because you can actually still buy those in Japan. Yeah. Not that they're useful, but... <laughs> uh, let's see, stuff about Saga. I was actually looking at the episode 100 list. Yeah, but... I'm, I started with episode 99 because we actually skipped all those questions. Oh, I forgot that we, yeah. because of that we would never have looked at the episode 99 questions. Yeah. Uh, so there's one for Budai we can do, but I'm going to start with one from Victor, who says, If you folks hadn't attacked Sonic Chronicles so incessantly, I might never have gotten around to playing it, and I'm glad I did. Keep up the Breath of Fire bashing, and maybe I'll finally play through Breath of Fire 3, 4, and 5. Hey, I'm glad it, I'm glad it worked out for you. I, yeah. I didn't enjoy it, but I'm glad you did. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's good uh, when you find things that you enjoy. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry if perhaps my trolling gets uh, excessive, excessive, and maybe mean spirited. I don't intend it to be. The assumption is everyone knows I'm joking, but obviously that's not always not the case. Always the case. I'll never apologize for not liking um, Legend of Dragoon, though. No, that's fine. <laughs> Screw that game. <laughs> yeah, I've played uh, it a lot. There's a law launching machine. <laughs> the law launching machine is beautiful, and I'm glad that someone else knows about it. <laughs> every time I explain that that exists, someone is like thinks that I'm making it up. Uh, what a strange yeah. game. Uh, uh, if if you find a game you love through us bashing it, that's great. Because hopefully we're talking about the game in a lot of ways and explaining it well enough that if it's something you will like, we've explained it well enough so that you'll find out about it, you know? I, I will uh, still not... fight you over how bad the music is. Though. Yeah, but the I Sonic mean... Sonic Chronicles music yeah. is very bad. <laughs> it's, it's bad. Uh, but... Uh, it, no, it has uh, its moments, I just... There was the also one thing like... a Sonic game should ever get it right above all else... <laughs> It really is baffling. But that's like the one thing that like it unequivocally falls down on. But the the other thing about it is, I guess that uh, there's also a certain sense of like it, it, playing it when it was new. You wanted better out of it because it was a Bioware game on a handheld, which had never happened before. Which contextualizes a bit of the amount of disappointment we could possibly have in such a very strange sort of product. Yeah, I think that's that's an important thing to remember. I think I if get... any, any other developer had been attached to that game, I don't necessarily think it would have had as much of a negative reaction. Silly reception as it got. I think, yeah. I think it is that game existing and being as bad as it is is proof that Bioware was dead. <laughs> It was like oh wait, they still had a lot of they still had a fair few good games in them. Uh, it was it was also like it's obvious that during that game's production, Bioware was purchased by EA, and the game was far enough along that no one wanted to like buy out the contract to stop it from being finished. But it was also like it, it at the end it hints at a sequel, and it's never ever going to get that. 
for a multitude of reasons. There's also legal issues with some of the characters in it. <sighs> Thank you, Ken Penders. Um, go go look up Sonic comic history if you want to know more about that. Also, uh, on the subject of Sonic, uh, the Sonic Hedgehog movie looks even more of a dumpster fire now. Well, but Listen, we haven't even you seen will not, the movie itself. <laughs> you will yeah. not insult Sonic's enormous legs. No, I'm more I'm more upset with uh, their fact that they're sticking with Dr. Robotnik and he looks like a big dick with uh <laughs> The evil Dr. Robonek. But yeah, no, I'm I'm glad that someone I'm glad someone enjoys it. It uh, there's too much attached to it of like I wanted it to be better than it was for me to grade it entirely fairly. Sonic Chronicles, the Dark Brotherhood. Rip shade the echidna. Uh, also, Victor, if you play Breath of Fire 3, 4, and 5, you should start with 5. No reason. I wouldn't start with it. I mean, like, it's more interesting as, like, a very strange departure than as it's just something that you play in the middle. Well, it's the only good one of the three, so I'd want to, you know, wow. just enjoy that before you, you get to the pain. Nonsense. You always get to this, like... <laughs> Like, here's the thing, is that, like, I don't like Breath of Fire, but that's not because I think it's a bad game, it's because I think it's a singularly unambitious game, and there's just, I don't have time in my life for that anymore, but I mean, like, that's not really a reason to say, like, I don't, it's not that I hate it, it's that I don't feel strongly about it in any way. Yeah. Which is you know, feels almost more condemnatory. Like, if you were to ask me, should I play this, I'd say, like, do you, do you, like, have you run yourself out of games that I would recommend first? And there's, like, just enough games on that list that I can't imagine someone having answering that in the affirmative. Yeah, it's kind of a long list. But, I mean, like, if, if, if something about it speaks to you, I'm glad, and I'm sure that one of these years, me and Wheels will have time to actually go back and stop trolling long enough to play them again. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to add to that question? Uh, I think that's it. You should actually play Breath of Fire 3, 4, and 5 at some point. I've heard 4 is really good or something. 4 is really pretty. It's never held my interest, but that isn't, you know... A lot of games don't do that. <laughs> yeah, but it, again, I won't. I won't say nothing bad about the sprite animation in four. It's it's a very gorgeous looking game. <laughs> I hear a TV. Huh? You're a TV. That's that's Zenosaga, <laughs> actually. Um. Okay, moving on. Moving on. This isn't an RPG question. Woohoo! Adam, for this is the an show. RPG question. But it is a video game mystery that puzzles me. Now that Namco Bandai has developed two Smash games, both Smash 4 and Smash Ultimate, why aren't there any Tekken or Soul Calibur characters in Smash? Uh, I would imagine that it has more to do with the fact that their first choice was Pac-Man. I mean, you could point out, like, well, I mean, Link is in there. I'd rather them not have any and just then try and have it just be terrible because like we get cloud and then nothing else final fantasies in the game <laughs> i mean that's very specifically a square thing uh, i mean like they they put in pac-man which was like the big like this is the most namco character 
and they put in there. Uh, I think there's there's definitely like Namco spirits in there. Yeah. But uh, I guess I would also just mention that hey, Link was in Soul Calibur. That's a Soul Calibur character. <laughs> in conclusion, put Spawn in Smash Brothers. Beloved Soul Calibur character Spawn. But uh, as for why, I mean, like, who would you put in there? Like Master Chief, because hey, there was that one time that Halo almost became a DS game. Like Halo's more associated with that time they put uh, they put a Spartan in Dead or Alive Four. But uh, you done you done scraping? Evidently not. Oh, you were scraping. Sorry. It's fine. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know, like, what character you'd put. Like, a lot of Smash ends up being the iconicness of the character. And, like, not a lot of fighting game characters reach that level outside of, like, Ryu and Ken as, like, Street Fighter representatives. Like, you get all of those Tekken characters who are very recognizable within Tekken, but I don't think... And, like, Tekken is still very popular, but it was never, like, the cross-genre phenomenon that something like Street Fighter was. I hope it wasn't because they couldn't figure out one other than that and they wanted to use Kazuya or Jin or Heihachi. Oh, man. Finally, we can have another winged character. It's just going to be Devil Jin. But, uh... And as for Soul Calibur, like, the same, but more so. I mean... Like, otherwise, your guess is as good as mine. Like... I think a Tales of character would honestly fit better, but then, like, you just run into Who Do You Do, and then it's like, uh, I don't know, someone from Symphonia, since that was, like, the big one on the Nintendo platforms, but it's also a little, like, that would have made more sense on Sm- in Smash 4. But... It's either, either Lloyd or uh, uh, Abel. Oh, Asbel? Yeah. Yeah, that, he'd be fun, but uh, like we didn't even get the Wii version of that, and that version was like enough of a technical disaster that I don't think Namco would want to bring it up again. Mm-hmm. But, I know, bring uh, bring Shing slash Core from Hearts in. That's uh, that's a character that I would clamor for, and no one else. Uh, uh, excuse me, I would enjoy yeah, that yeah. as long as it's made abundantly clear. That it's the character. As long as he's version of the character from DS. Yes, he must. He must be based and, on his and DS no one sprite. from Tempest because that was awful. Oh, don't talk about that. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, so, Wheels, what character do you want for Smash DLC? From anywhere. Or anywhere. From Namco Bandai. Anywhere. anywhere. Na- like maybe try to do an Namco Bandai one, but also one from anywhere. Uh, uh, I'd go with Bomberman. Yeah, he's already an assist trophy, but there's nothing wrong with him being an actual character. Because there aren't enough Pokemon in okay. Smash. Well, I want Decidueye. If you're going to go that route, then Waluigi, maybe. So people can shut Waluigi. up. Waluigi! <laughs> Listen, they got enough Waluigi when people figured out that infinite assist trophy glitch. <laughs> the thing was a nightmare. But, well, uh, him, though, was like a bunch of characters. Yeah, but it was much funnier when it was Waluigi. <laughs> For me, uh, 
Let's keep the fighting train rolling. Put Terry Bogart in there. He's in everything else now. Oh. SNK wants to put him in as many things as possible. That was the disappointment of a fighting game. The heroines game. Yeah, it's not a great fighting game. But uh, what else? I swear he got announced for something else recently. Mm, the fighting EX player, maybe. Oh, yeah, that's what he's in. That ridiculous thing. In fact, also put Skullomania in there. Because his name is Skullomania. If you don't know who Skullomania is, just just go Google it. It's spelled exactly how you think it is. He's the good part of Street Fighter EX. It's true. Did did he ever make it into any of like the 2D games? I could nope. say a, it's an, original, an original character from the Mario and Luigi series, maybe. All of them are bad, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I, I despise Fawful, so... Yeah, that Bowser's Inside Story is another game coming out this week. But yeah, I despise Fawful, so... And that's the only, like, Mario and Luigi original character I can think of. Can I just say I'm glad they skipped, like, doing an updated version I think we've discussed this many times. Partners in Time? Okay, good. <laughs> Um, they not didn't necessarily skip it. They might go back to it. No, no, <laughs> no, no! Stop. No. I rather make a completely new game though in the series. They should just say, "Okay, we're we're gonna remake this game as partners in crime." Wario and Waluigi should just be beating the hell out of each other the entire game. Uh, but oh, what was I gonna? Uh, but yeah, no, Mania never showed up in a two D. Street Fighter because he's technically owned by Arika, the company that actually made Street Fighter EX, which is why he is in their new Fighting EX layer game, which uh, I can't imagine sold well, but doesn't seem to have tanked the company either, so... Uh, it doesn't help that the game was set full price. Well, it wasn't even quite full price, but it was very strange. There was like the $50 deluxe version and the $40 light version, which didn't really have enough difference between them. Hmm. It was a weird game. Remains a weird game. Supposedly has some DLC characters coming. Uh, but uh, I, I don't see it getting much pickup outside of like poverty side streams at Evo or something. Nothing will ever... You guys ever look up like all of the dumb places that Melty Blood tournaments have taken place? Mm, no. Uh, the, the iconic one is of course the bathroom. Like someone just setting a laptop up in a bathroom <laughs> at the hotel venue. I saw one that was in a laundry reason. room. I saw like one that was staged, but it was inside. It was in a Popeyes parking lot. To the point where, like, at this like anime fighter tournament where they actually gave it like a stage presence, they still just balanced it on top of a garbage can. <laughs> That's some hobo stuff. Melty, Melty Blood fans know where they came from. That's amazing. I have to review that at some point. The newest one. Uh, Melty Blood. There hasn't been a new Melty Blood in quite a while, unless you're talking Act- about... The... I think it was Act Cadenza. I could be wrong, though. I think Act Cadenza is the most recent one. It just hasn't come out on anything new in a while. Mm. But uh, I had to get going, so I need to get sleep so I can okay. do that tomorrow. All right, so yeah, Eric. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm. We wanna. What, what question we wanna hit up next? We wanna hit up any of the episode one hundred ones? Yeah, let's do that. 
save the rest of these 99 ones for next time. 99 red balloons floating in the summer sky. Okay. Uh, uh, all of the strawberry are... eggs. Yeah. Or do you think Gaijin would want to partake in that one? Uh, we could probably like drag that one back up because there's a lot to talk about, and I'm sure I'll remember something else I wanted to bring up. Okay. I'm going to let you read it. Uh Great podcast, guys. Congrats on 100 episodes. Thank you. Uh, anyway, there are some interesting examples of games. This is, again, by, uh, from Strawberry Eggs. Uh, there are some interesting examples of games that started out as being part of a well-known franchise before becoming a new title. For an RPG example, Bravely Default began as a sequel to Final Fantasy IV The Heroes of Light. Uh, the Four Heroes of Light, I should say. Uh, the Mana series is an odd one because Seiken Densetsu started out as a game for the Famicom Disk System and predated Final Fantasy. Square cancelled the game when it was still in the planning stages, then brought it back as a Gaiden game to Final Fantasy, later becoming its own independent series in later installments. Can you think of any other examples of this RPG or otherwise? Uh, the one that immediately springs to mind is Devil May Cry, which is weird mostly because they were really open about the fact that it started as a Resident Evil game. Like, normally when this happens, companies don't like talking about it. Like, there's, they're so busy trying to launch a new IP that they don't want to talk about how, the, how it technically started as a project you've already heard of because, like, that ra- muddies the water of what the game is and why they made a new IP in the first place. Yeah. But Devil May Cry was very openly, like, this started out as a version of Resident Evil 4. It, turn- it started... T- turning into something that was really, really divorced from anything that existed in Resident Evil, so we just turned it into a new franchise because it looked promising. That's that's kind of the one that is really uh, obvious and infamous because, again, Capcom was way more open about what it had started out as than just about any company I can think of. Yeah, I think the other big recent example, and I don't know if it fully counts, would be uh, Final Fantasy XV where it was a very obviously and clearly um, a Final Fantasy thirteen offshoot originally. Well, I mean, original like, it's still technically in the Fabula Nova Crystallis universe. Like, the, yeah. the reference sure. to the cosmology of the game still makes that clear. And even when Versus thirteen was first announced, like, Nomura was always very clear that, like, this doesn't take place in the same world as 13, but it would be more accurate to say that it shares, like, a cosmology and a universe. But, I mean, it, it became even more, like, tenuous a connection as time went on, and they didn't want to talk about how they were related. <laughs> because, of course, you know, when 13 and Versus 13 and Agito 13 were first announced, it was very much like, yes, these games will be spinning off of the FF13 franchise, which we are sure will be very successful. And that turned out to not be the case. Uh, for for other examples, you start running into the problem of... Like, they're either so obscure that you don't know what they spun off of, and if I brought them up, it wouldn't matter. So, like, I could bring up that Ninja Breadman was a failed Zool reboot, but you don't know what either of those is. Ninja what? <laughs> Ninja Breadman. Oh. Which was a garbage shovelware Wii game from, like, 2008. And was originally a 3D reboot of Amiga SNES Mega Drive platformer Zool, uh, Ninja of the whatever dimension. 
but like I mean even if I like it it's not really that interesting for me to talk about something like that by virtue of the fact that I have to explain what it was originally based <laughs> off of <laughs> which is an Amiga ninja platformer that is designed to tell, sell you candy <laughs> uh, but yeah like there's other ones like I feel like this happens with games that were originally licensed projects as well so like you'll get a game that starts out based on a license and then the license holder revokes it or something else goes south and the game ends up being its own independent product so like Doom was at one point going to be an alien game uh, you have uh, Journey to Silius on the, ES- on the original NES which was originally a Terminator game at some point in its development uh but those are those are a little bit of a different case because it's just someone was making a licensed game and they lost access to the license and were like, whatever, this game looks far enough along, we'll just release it as though it's done thing. Uh, other than that, like these again, it's it's hard to get solid evidence when this happens mm. unless there's some sort of like decompile that makes it clear in the code references to uh, something. Uh, yeah, otherwise I can't think of any others off the top of my head. I'm sure I'll be kicking myself later thinking like, oh, I should have mentioned X and hopefully I can bring that up next week. Uh, you got any others, Wheels? Nothing comes immediately to mind. Yeah. Trying to th- like, I can also think of like the inverse of Final Fantasy 15 where like a game was perhaps developed originally as like a mainline game and then shunted to spin off when everyone realized that it wasn't panning out the way they wanted it to. <laughs> uh, yeah, just or like that that's also always an interesting thing where so, something that started as an original project suddenly gets punted into an existing IP because the develop, the publisher loses confidence in the idea of trying to sell it as an entirely new product. Uh, see also something like Star Fox Adventures was that, where like Nintendo looked at it and were like, we already have a, one game about space foxes. How many games about space foxes can we reasonably be kicking around? <laughs> and like people complain about that, but I also kind of see the reasoning. How many different unrelated IP about space foxes do you need? Nice. <laughs> Not more than one. Yeah. Yeah, or uh, I was talking with someone uh, about how, like, there was a Bomberman Game Boy game that got gussied up to have Wario in it for some reason. That was a weird game. Huh. Yeah, Wario Blast. That might have, not, might have only been an America thing. Wario Blast featuring Bomberman. Oh, I can think of another one of these, actually. I was uh, just talking about... There was... So this is another, like, obscurity meets obscurity. Uh, although one of them is significantly more obscure than the other because they one of them has had games in the past few years and one of them has not. Uh, so the game Bomberman Hero for the N64 was a failed attempt to translate the Bonk's Adventure franchise into uh, 3D, and they just sort of lost confidence in trying to sell a Bonk game on the Nintendo 64 and just released it as Bomberman Hero. Huh. Which explains a lot as to why Bomberman was suddenly arbitrarily in a 
platformer that he had never been in before. Uh, oh man, I'm just thinking about what. Okay, I'm lost in having to double check what the PC in PC Genjin means. Uh, PC Genjin being the Japanese title of the Bonk series. I remember that, like PC stands for something really stupid in this in this equation. <laughs> Because, uh, like, they also made the shooter series Zonk, which was known in Japan as PC Denjin, where PC stood for Punkic Cyborg. So we live with that information. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, Pithecanthropus Computaris. A pun on Pithecanthropus Erectus, aka Homo Erectus. Uh, the game was ported or given different versions for other platforms. It was renamed accordingly, like FC Kid for Family Computer, also known as Freak Thorapus Computeris. So, yeah. Bonk! Beloved PC Engine mascot. You love him. <laughs> I'm sure someone loves Bonk. Who? I mean, someone who grew up with a PC Engine. Again, I say, who? Someone in Japan? Guess you're gonna be, you'll be, you're gonna have a great time when Bonk finally has his revenge. So never. Listen, Bonk's revenge came out like 25 years ago. It's fine. And I would say it would probably be better titled as Bonk's failed revenge. How do you feel about Super Air Zonk Rockabilly Paradise? Is that the real name of a game? That cannot be the real That's name real. of a game. That's <laughs> real. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. It has rockabilly music in it. Uh, sure. Sure. PC Genjin series, CD Denjin, Rockabilly Tengoku. <laughs> You'll note that Tengoku just is paradise, it's heaven, whatever you want to call it. <sighs> Next question, what else do we got? Favorite Christmas Favorite game? Present. That is a tough one. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very tough. Oh, I'm going to give you one last bit of Bonk trivia. Before they decided on its name being Zonk in the U.S., uh, Zonk was briefly referred to as a Bonkinator. <laughs> For you see, he was Bonk, but a cyborg. Therefore, he was Bonk, but a Terminator. Therefore, he was Bonkinator. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> you have to live with this information now. Uh, can I... Can I not? Is that... Can... Can I erase it from my brain? Is that no. possibility? Okay. <laughs> Bonkinator uh, Cyborg Punk with a brief name for it. Uh, but yeah. Uh, let's see. Like, I'm thinking about, like, Christmas presents that I really enjoyed. Uh, I got Grandia the same Christmas that I got FF8, and I played Grandia a lot more. Nice. That was a good time. I enjoyed that. You're not favorite, and then it's... Yeah. The, the obvious answer would be Game Boy. I just don't... I honestly don't remember if that was a Christmas present or like a birthday present or whatnot. They're so pretty I, close for you, so it can get kind of confusing. Exactly. So I, I really good ones would be Game Boy Advance, nice. which included a copy of Tactics Advance. Nice. And also a PSP with a copy of uh, tac Final Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> just a very tactical sort of Christmas. Yeah simply having a tactical Christmas time. Yeah. 
Well, you may not know it based on all the Game Boy talk I've done on the show, but I actually held out on the Game Boy Advance until the SP. Yeah, like that was around like Tactics Advance would be when the SP was out and like you could get hold of them. So, I mean, I'm impressed. <laughs> thinking I mean, about it, was it tough, but I did it. <laughs> thinking about it, it was weird. It's weird to think that the GBA was not a relevant force for very long. Like, it comes out in mid-2001, and its successor is out in late 2004. <laughs> so, it kind of had to accrue... Yeah, March 21st, 2001. Wow. Damn. <sighs> what a time. But, yeah. Uh... I was always sad that the GBASP has the screen you can actually see, but its form factor is significantly worse. Yeah, it's I, not. It doesn't. Best. It's not as comfortable to hold as the original GBA, but you take your lumps. Uh, I had an original model GBA. My brother had a GBASP. So nice. Uh, let's see other good ones. So I don't know if this counts or not, but I got like cash money for Christmas and used it to buy my first uh, DS. Wow, cash money. Was that was just a light or a? No, the original like chunky one. Oh, it was the, yeah. it was the red model that came with uh, Mario Kart. Ah, oh, I remember that. Hey, that version, like, you and I have it the opposite there, because I held out for the light. Ah. Even though I wanted to play Portable Super Mario 64, which turned out to not be an ideal version, but it had new levels, so I cared. (laughs) Yeah, I had to play that one, too. It's not a perfect version, but... Yeah. But, yeah, I think in both cases, you were probably better off waiting, because... The early DS library. I had. I knew ooh. some people that had original uh, original DS hardware, and I briefly like used it, and it was just like this is not an ideal piece of hardware. Yeah. But it also like your first few months options were games with names like Yoshi Touch and Go. Ugh. So, not. Yeah, I mean, I. Yeah, <laughs> I played a lot of that Mario Kart, but it was like beyond that. Like this is not fun. That was that was better than it could have been. You could play some Canvas Curse by that point. I think Medios was out. Well, I think just being an RPG RPG fan, I was just oh like, yeah, there was not much early on there for anything. RPGs. It took a very long time for RPGs to really hit that system, and they did eventually hit it very hard, but it did not. I mean, start. It, I tried to play Game Boy games on there as well, and I just did not like playing them on the 3DS. On the original DS, man? Yeah. I'm oh, sorry, on the original DS. Like, I appreciated the fact that it had backwards compatibility, but there weren't really, like, a lot of options in how you played it. It was just, like, you can play it. It does not fill the screen. There's no option to, like, make it bigger or adjust it, or I don't think you could even pick which of the two screens it even played. You could on, on the light. You could on the light? I don't remember. It's been a while. Something about it just didn't... I, I played a fair few GBA games on there because on the light, like, the amount... Like, their their other option was to do what GB Color Games did on the GBA, and if you've ever seen that, you know what a crime it is. Yeah. You ever see that? That's that's truly a surreal way to play those games. It's just like... The GBA 
which games? The... Game Boy and Game Boy Color games. You could stretch them with the L and like oh, yeah, stretch yeah. them or shrink them with the L and R buttons, and it's just absolutely a hideous way to play these games. It's it's kind of gross yeah. because they they really only stretch to the side. The, the vertical resolution has not really changed. It's just a horizontal one that has, and it's yeah, truly disgusting looking. <laughs> Your Xbox One's backwards compatibility. No, no, it is not. <laughs> and then from there, like I'm trying to think of other like Christmas gifts that I got. I think I got Pokemon Red for Christmas. I'm thinking that because uh, I got Red and my sister got Blue. That was like a def- had to be a Christmas thing. Mm-hmm. My, cause my, I know my sister had yellow. I don't know. All I know is I caught them all. God damn it. You destroyed yourself. Yes. And made it impossible to play them for decades, but... I destroyed myself to get a certificate I could print on the Game Boy printer I didn't own. With those hide- with that hideous, like, thermal paper? Yep. <laughs> Game Boy printer was an odd accessory. Yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> it's just... Basically using, like, cash receipt paper. <laughs> yeah, this is just a, a tough Chris, tough question to answer, not necessarily because I don't have good answers, just because it's like, did I Narrowing. get that for Christmas? Yeah, like, after a while, it's just like, yeah. when did it's I like, get that? For what purpose if, was that given? <laughs> if, if I got Final Fantasy Legend for Christmas, that has to be the answer, but I'm not 100% sure I did. Uh, I definitely got a GameCube at launch for Christmas, and that was a fun thing, because it was like, oh, let's play some Super Smash Brothers and Pikmin and Luigi's Mansion. Those are all yeah. fun, and then there was, oh. there was not a lot to play on it afterwards. Uh, but... I, got, I, I got a good one I'm going to go with. So, years ago, my... my wife, and this was not too long after we got married, asked for, like, a Christmas list, like, what I wanted for Christmas. So I was like, okay, put a bunch of, like, random RPGs and stuff. Stuff I thought it might play or whatnot. Actually, this was before we got married. Never mind. But, um... Uh, one of the games on the list was Tales of the Abyss, and that ended up being the one that she picked. Nice! Like a home run, because it was the first Tales game I really got into and finished, and got me into the series. It meant a lot to you, and now you troll about it every day. And, and I probably never would have gotten into the Tales series. If, yeah. I remember there was a lot... Like, I remember when that game came out, and it was like... It came out in, like, fall of 2006, which was, like, the worst possible time for it to be coming out. There was... It was it was going to get slaughtered, because it wasn't going to be, like, the only RPG you could play on your PS2, and it wasn't going to be, uh... Given the kind of marketing muscle that it was going to need to possibly succeed, like Symphonia had, and so yeah. it had a very rough Christmas. Also, it yep. was half finished. Uh, <laughs> it runs like poop, but yes. If you if you're interested in playing it, play it on the 3DS. Unless you can't take 30 FPS battles, but it's fine. It's it's worth it for the consistency of every other part of the game. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> That's a good game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Other Christmas stuff, again, it it becomes a model of when did I get that and what was the purpose of it? Yeah. (laughs) I remember getting Alundra for Christmas once, and that was a very strange game to to receive, but I mean, like, that was a good thing to get at random chance. I I feel certain that my parents did not realize what the game was. They just sort of made a guess, (laughs) and it turned out to be really good. 
Because I sure remember seeing it and being like, what is this? <laughs> but I got that for Christmas, and it was actually really, really good. I'm trying to think of, like... I'm just going through sort of the... Uh, through the sort of no, the motions of trying to work out. Like, I remember that, like... The pro like, my parents were not able to get a PS2 in le- in 2000, but the promise to get one that the second that we found one was made on Christmas. If I were to hazard a guess, uh, I had a similar situation with um the Wii. Ah, <laughs> like they obviously couldn't find one, but it wasn't a promise to get one. When they found one. They just they was like, here is the price of the Wii. Yeah, in money. In monies. Yeah, I was I was rel- I, I was too young to trust with that. So, yeah. but like the <laughs> the promise was made in like Christmas of two thousand, and I think we finally tracked one down in March of two thousand one. Yeah. That was uh, actually I believe that was also the year that one of our that one of my Christmas presents was actually just magazine subscriptions to game magazines, which is very important to me because that's nice. I, I would read those cover to cover, and that's why I have this awful awful like encyclopedic knowledge of every freaking uh, PS2 game that was ever announced because I just had the PlayStation magazine and nothing else I felt like reading for years so <laughs> and eventually adding EGM to that so it's just like hey anyone remember like cancelled Xbox game from uh, only mentioned briefly in April of 2002 Ice 9 no didn't think so but, I mean, like, that, that's a very important gift to me because it helped define the awful person that I am. So, you know, important in different ways. What a time, what a time to be alive. But, unfortunately, when we actually did track down a PS2, we started asking about RPGs, and the only thing that they had was Evergrace, so. You win Oops. some, you lose some. You got an N64 for Christmas. Were you, were you N64, Kid Wales? No. I mean, I was excited, but not that excited. <laughs> I don't know if I have it in me to get that excited about anything. Game. Rogue Squadron, Battle for Naboo, yeah. both those are the same, are different. Shadow oh, of Shadows Empire. of the Empire, the early Star yeah. Wars game. Yeah. Oh, here's another. Uh, my parents got us X-Men Legends 2 for Christmas one year. Mm-hmm. Specifically for me. <laughs> uh, but somehow they forgot to put it under the tree. Oh, like we knew where they had gotten it, so we asked about it later. And we missed missed something, and yeah, it was like sitting in their room somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever. Uh, uh, like, yeah. Oh man, I remember playing Shadows of the Empire and did getting to the train level, and I presume you remember that level. Yes. Because that level runs at like ten frames a second and is impossibly hard. But I feel yeah, like that's pretty rough. I feel like Shadows of the Empire. Its most important thing about it was that it did the Hoth level, and that convinced everyone, "Oh, this is what I want in a Star Wars game," and that's what is we that, had in Star Wars games it? for a very long time. Like it was more just a good proof of concept for Rogue Squadron. Yeah. Yes. Man. Harsh. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I just I didn't. They're incredibly hard, like all Factor Five games. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. A lot, a lot of video games. 
Alright, let's let's tackle this last one because uh, Gaijin will want too much. Well, maybe, but we can, we can talk about it. Cross some that when we get here. to it. Uh, so Red Dead and God of War, were, what was the last game you've seen of gaming and just felt like an unstoppable wave? Is Fortnite currently this? No. Shush. Pokemon Go, what are... Well, yeah, obviously Fortnite is absurdly huge. I think the nice thing about gaming right now is you can enjoy and not really necessarily have something you don't forced on you 24-7. Like I said, obviously ever-present, but if you're not into Fortnite, there's an absurd amount of stuff you can pay attention to instead. I think this has a lot to do with like the death of monoculture as a whole. Because yeah. I mean, like... Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you in the middle of a point. No, that's fine. But, like, the the monoculture is... <coughs> Sounds like there's thunder outside, which is very weird in the middle of winter. But, uh, the monoculture is, you know, the reason that you couldn't that you couldn't escape certain things is just that you didn't have other play avenues of discussion, and the internet kind of broke it. Yeah, so like it really did. Like if it is now possible to be entirely ignorant of what even gigantic swaths of the population are obsessed with, whereas like go back twenty years and you've got the average household is only on the internet occasionally because it takes up their phone line and they like the channels that they watch are all running news stories about Pokemon and every like they can't they can't not be going to stores to get things and there's Pokemon merchandise everywhere like that kind of all encompassingness is nearly impossible for an individual game to pull off I feel like there is a period where, like, the Wii as a console kind of hit that point. And that required it to not just be a game, but, an like, an entire, like, paradigm shift in terms of what a game was and people having to react to it in some fashion. But as, as individual things go, I mean, yeah, just... <laughs> It's it's hard. It's hard for any one thing. Like, you could have gone the entire year without playing Red Dead or God of War, and even though Red Dead sold, like, 20 million copies, it's very possible to not have to discuss it. Yep. And I haven't and played it and don't have much interest in playing it. And, and like, that's, that's a thing that, like, even... Like, to go back even within Rockstar's own oeuvre, like, there was a period where, like, even in an incredibly crowded late 2000... Like, in an incredibly crowded late 2004 shopping season, there were basically two games that you had to have some sort of opinion formed on. And they were Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and Halo 2. It was... Because every game either like, was getting decimated by one of those, or trying desperately to be one of those. Like, Rockstar's, like, PS2-era Grand Theft Autos in particular being, like, some of the most obviously, uh, like, imitated games in history. Yeah, and I found it nearly impossible to not, like, see some of those. How do you feel about... Have someone talk... Oh, God. 
No, go ahead. That's 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 all I was gonna say. Just like it was impossible to avoid those games. Yeah, pretty much. Not that you were trying to avoid Halo Two, but no, oh no, not Halo Two. Just uh, not even Grand Theft Auto at the moment, but at that time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was yeah. like I I love looking at PS2 games from about late 2002 to about 2005 that are all just sort of looking at how they can incorporate some aspect of Grand Theft Auto into themselves. Because that was just enough time for them to see the kind of success that Grand Theft Auto 3 had been and start trying to incorporate it it into a new game. And it's like it is that's the other thing is that like it's hard for one game to completely reshape the landscape of console games anymore it just doesn't happen like you'll get the obvious like Fortnite and uh, like Player Unknown's Battlegrounds knockoffs but like or even the the Minecraft ones from about half a decade back but they they don't infect like they're I haven't seen one in decades where everything that followed had to try to steal something from it even if it couldn't take its structure it needed to take something about its style or its attitude or just some small piece of it and incorporate it into its game design yeah and like that that's something that you i don't think you can do again like especially something like god of war red dead neither of them is new enough to be that influential like neither of them brings in enough changes to the very nature of how a game is structured to make it obvious that everyone is knocking it off. Right. Like, if you go back and look at, like, New God of War, its structure feels like a slightly more open, like, Resident Evil 4, of all things. Like, that's how I would describe it. It is an evolution of things that have already been. Whereas to really change the game, like, it has to be something no one like, that so, that is so off from everything else that's coming out, like, God of War and Red Dead are both very much in a sort of prestige game archetype of, like, this is how you present yourself, this is the structure that you have. And they don't have the same structure, but they have in the points where the plot unfolds, you can see the parallels of how that prestige game structure functions. And neither of them is breaking the mold enough to completely redefine how how games are looked at from within the industry. I think that, like, you'll see games that do that individually. Like, I think that Breath of the Wild is already starting to affect how open-world games present themselves. But I don't think you see you're going to see that on a broad level where like again to go back to the Grand Theft Auto comparison, Grand Theft Auto three made every game at least try to be a sandbox or give the appearance of being one. Like every game was supposed to be an open world game for a while there, just because that's that's what you do. That's how you imitate the thing the big gorilla in the market. Which is really interesting. It is. Uh, yeah. So that's that's kind of the thing. Uh, I don't think it's actually possible for anything to uh, to do that anymore. 
but yeah, those are some of the one the moment games I can think of. Like, I tend to think of these more in terms of like not just these were really popular for a while because I mean like by that standard like something like Pokemon Go definitely was that game, but in terms of like things that reshaped the landscape around them. And I think in the case of Pokemon Go, I don't think that was even like a, this took over the gaming scene. I think this was like... This took over the non-gaming scene. Yeah, this is just a mainstream thing that happened. Yeah. And very, very little ever does that. So, I mean, like, it is notable when something like Pokemon Go or Fortnite does that. Because, like, I'll, I'll bring up Fortnite because, like, my brother hasn't played games in any real capacity in, like, 15 years. But he does play Fortnite. No, it's fine. It's fine. So it's, it's, just it's those... not for me. I'm gonna stop. Stop. You can relax. It. You can relax. No, it's fine. The Fortnite can't hurt you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, but but as a whole, like, I mean, I feel like to really be this kind of game in my mind, it can't just be that I saw it everywhere, but that it has to leave an impact crater, essentially. Right. Like, Pokemon did that as well, where, like, anything that was kid-focused had to follow in, like, it needed that aesthetic, it needed that hook of collection became very, even more focused, because, like, you get toys from before Pokemon, and it's like, here's a marketable hero, and here's their cast of friends that are all marketable, here's their vehicle that's marketable. But you sold it on the idea that, like, this object is cool. You want to buy this thing in particular, kid. Whereas Pokemon sold that on, like, you want to catch all of these because they're all individual little creatures that you love. And, like, that sense of collection became, like, a huge part of how children's, like, media was marketed. And, like, certainly there are forebears and there are exceptions, but, I mean, like, it it really... Like, again, it left an impact crater. Everything sort of contoured around how that worked. Yeah, like, if you want to go for, like, other big impact games, you'd look at something like Doom. Like, that's a very, very big one. Uh, FF7, as far as the JRPG, is, like, it's impossible to underestimate how important it was just for, like, how much it changed. Like, whether you think that it was a particularly innovative RPG like how much it changed general perception of RPGs in the West yeah like these these kinds of games tend to be did a lot tend to be fascinating Uh, like they they aren't always the most innovative necessarily but like they have to sort of be one of the first to break into the mainstream however by whatever voodoo that happens yeah and I think that's yeah that's thinking of things like GoldenEye, which obviously most people, a lot of people would say that wasn't even the best like first-person shooter at the time, but... It certainly um, rewrote the book on how a console first-person shooter functioned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess I, I guess I basically have talked myself out at this point. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to think what else to say on the subject at this point, other than, boy! No, no, we're not doing that. What, God of Boy? We're not doing Dad of Boy. It's the least interminable part of uh, the game was of the Game Awards was just Kratos' voice actor just saying boy. <laughs> uh, the worst part 
the worst part of the Game Awards show, though, was uh, Yuri Lowenthal not winning for Best Voice Actor performance. It's a crime against humanity, sir. It's a crime. I guess we should start wrapping this up before we actually start talking about the Game Awards. Uh, yeah, so you can find us usual forums, etc. Um, and we will be back to our normal schedule next week with Gaijin. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you then. Okay.